في غزة في حرب في كتير أشياء بتخوف أنا كنت بغزة عايشة وكنت كتير مبسوطة بعدين إجت حرب بنزل صواريخ وأنا كنت أخاف كتير أسمع يعني طيارات وقصف بعدين طلعنا على كندا وكندا هان ما بسمع ولا إشي ولا بطل فيها أصوات وبطلت وارتحت I was very comfortable with my life I had a very beautiful house it was a penthouse on the beach I had a very nice car uh, my kids were in a private school they learn English and French it was a very nice life and then the 7th of October came it was 6 a.m. in the morning I'm hearing a lot of noise hearing a lot of rockets flying to Israel in the first six hours there were only rockets from Hamas but then after that the response started and the rockets started flying from both sides we took the kids the escape bag and we took the decision to move to my father's-in-law house. I got to the house and I'm looking around and it's just, just an empty house. Burned, destroyed fully, no walls. There's nothing in the house, like full destruction. I didn't feel that much of sadness. I don't know why, but I think it's like any other Gaza now. Anything materialistic. It's just worthless. It was 3 a.m. in the morning where we get a phone call from the IDF. It was a recorded message saying that for your safety, you need to leave the north and head to the south as soon as possible. I was shocked. I was in a shock. I'm running for my life. I'm trying to protect my family's life. It was still so dark. Bombing were everywhere. But we were like, you know what, we're not going to take a chance to stay for one more minute. So we started moving with our cars to the south, to a friend house, 150 square meters apartment. We were around seven families, around 60 people. It was just very, very difficult. So every night when it gets dark, we gather in a small corner in the house. Me, my two daughters, and my wife. We closed the ears of our, of our kids. And sometimes we get scared ourselves. So we leave our kids and we, scare, we close our ears and we tell them to put their hands on their ears because it's very difficult and it's extremely dark. There's nothing that you can see. So you keep on holding your kids so that they don't run away. And I got a call from the Canadian embassy saying, you know what, you're able to evacuate you, your wife and your two daughters, but not your parents. You're, you're, you're wearing the life of your daughters with the life of your parents. There's no way I'm leaving and I'm leaving my parents behind and they're old and they need me. But then something happened and it was a sign for me that I had to leave. So there was bombing right beside us. Uh, my older daughter Soha was playing. She has diabetes. Uh, her sugar liver was around 300. When she heard the bombing, she got so scared, so her sugar level dropped from 300 to 30 all of a sudden. And that means that she can get in a coma at any second. And that means, which is worst, 
that she has to be hospitalized. And there's no hospitals operating at that time. They're all full of wounded people, full of dead people, so she can't really have a place to be hospitalized at. And now I'm here to a certain extent comfortable with my family. And that's where I get the feeling of guilt and shame. See, it's not ringing. That's my sister. She's with my parents. Yeah. No internet, so it's not ringing. That's the problem is that um, I really can't concentrate on what am I gonna do uh, here unless I'm sure that they're safe. When we got here and we were at the hotel at the beginning and I asked them, I'm like, what's the most thing that you like about Canada? And they, both of them subconsciously, they answered they're like, we love about Canada one thing, that there's no war. Slowly but surely I'm trying to get them out of like the memory that they had for the past 30 days, continuous bombing. And this is going to take me some time for sure, until they're used that this is the normal life and what we used to live there is just not normal and no one should live it.